In a world where heresy blankets the airwaves, religious stuffed shirts suck the life out of Sunday morning, and prosperity teachers rob grandmothers of their pensions, three unassuming ministers endeavor to shine the light of biblical theology and put the fun back in fundamentalism. Broadcasting live from the Hall of Dogma... Welcome in, family, friends, and countrymen, to episode five plus one, also known as six, of the Gospel Friends. I'm David. I'm Chase, and that was good math. And I'm a very confused Nick. What just happened to the intro? Nick is back. I am back. That was vacation. I, it, was, it was a week, David. It was a week. It was great. I, you know, it was one of those things that it was a little bit of a, a last minute thing, but I'm glad I um, was able to take the opportunity. Glad I have a job that affords me that opportunity, and it was a... It was a good time with the family. So. And some good gospel friends that you know held, held the fort down here at the Hall of Dogma while you were gone. Yeah. So, Fighting crime. And- could, so could y'all tell a difference? Me and Kevin had a wager going um, because of the uh, parallels drawn to us in real life that yeah. you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Well, Kevin breathes heavier. <laughs> you know. What, you keep mocking so, him for that. I don't think he's going to come back on the show. So I do have to ask about that. What, what was the nickname you guys gave that poor guy? I'm sorry. I was laughing. Well, he was going to be... Doctor Septum, and he changed it at the last minute. Changed it at the last second Captain to Captain Septum. Septum. See, I think we can only have two captains in. Yeah. in the well, that's what I thought too. I was actually personally offended, but was, well, let I'm me, okay now. Doctor Septum was was actually, and it sounds like a, I think he didn't want to be a villain. A villain. Oh, a villain. Doctor Septum. You don't want to be a villain. Doctor Septum don't. sounds like a villain. It does sound a little villainous. Speaking of the alter egos and, and the superheroes, so there were um, some new art that came out over the week, and I only kind of saw this hit or miss because I was I was out of town. But is that good grammar? There was there was new. I guess it is. There were some new art. There it's were British. new. Art. That's how a British person. There would were say new it. art. We're gonna go with it. Okay. Um, work with me. I've been on vacation. My brain is still checked out. Um, but there was some. Uh, dissatisfaction I'm to understand by one of the members of the podcast with the superheroes. Well, because people kept making me lame superheroes. So you started off as Aquaman. Okay, so nobody's got a problem. We'll we'll give you lame on Aquaman. We'll give you lame on Aquaman. It's a long standing joke, goes back a couple of years to a The only people Aquaman is scared of are villains who are stuck in a fish tank. Nice. Okay. And so we upgraded you to Spider Man. And there were still disdain for this. But when you say upgrade, it's not by much. Look, Spider-Man, you goober, is one of the top five superheroes. He was an Avenger He's at one point. the Marvel sake. cover boy. He, he would be he in the top is. five of the bottom hundred. You are. I am so glad this is not Geek Cash Up. Well, in honor of that, we have settled on the, the guy you are. Great. And we have um, decided you are... Arm fall off verbiage. Wow. Oh my gosh. So, Look at that picture. So we've we got actually, this picture we're going to post in the Hall of Dogma later. Thank you, um, Captain Septon, for this. Have my head on arm fall off yep. boy's body, complete yep. with the plorps. I can't sound. believe we didn't think of that sooner. That's beautiful. So just. Um, Chase doesn't like a saying plorp, by the way. Even. <laughs> I, I feel a little There's bit more than myself. I'm not going to mention the reason why because this is a family friendly show. So Kevin, even though Kevin's not in the room, his presence is felt here. Well, Nick, let me ask you a question. If people Please. wanted to see this amazing picture you're talking about, <laughs> yes. where would they find us online? Thank you for getting us back on track, Chase. Um, so social media contacts, we are on the Twitter at My Gospel Friends. Um, some lively discussion been going on there, and we thank everybody who's participating. Uh, kind of retweet those and just let people know about us. We've also got 
we've got two pages on Facebook. We've got a place where we try to funnel discussions, the Hall of Dogma. That's facebook.com slash group slash Hall of Dogma. Or if you just want to kind of keep abreast of what we're doing, you can go to the the Gospel Friends Facebook page. If you want to correspond with us via email, we've got a Gmail set up at thegospelfriends at gmail.com. And as always, a voicemail line at 205-575-9735. Well done. We want to thank our friend Sean Lombard for the intro music. You can check sure. him out at seanlombard.com. And hey, if you are listening to us today on SoundCloud or Stitcher or some other streaming platform, we want to welcome you to the show. We do ask you to think about subscribing to us on iTunes or your podcast app. Uh, the, the link to subscribe on iTunes is just simply go to our webpage, thegospelfriends.com, or search for The Gospel Friends on iTunes or your podcast app. So, gentlemen, what is on tap for today, David? I'm going to be introducing a new segment called Five and Dime. Hold this on to your hats for that. And we're going to be dealing with a couple of subjects. Number one, what happens when politics and culture invade your favorite fast food restaurant? Two oh, words boy. for you, the Proud Whopper. Actually, that was three words. The Proud the Whopper. Proud Whopper. Yeah. You're right. That's another good mathematical All right, grammar job. boy. Also, for the 4th of July in... Celebration of Independence Day. How patriotic should we be in our church services? Can't wait to talk about both those topics. Nick? I'm going to talk about uh, Barnabas Piper's book that came out this week, Pastor's Kid. Um, I had been kind of interested in that book for, for a while. I have known some Pastor's Kids and with kind of where PKs. we are. PKs. and where we are in, in ministry and things like that, more specifically you guys. That's a thought I have about, you know, the, the, the limelight, quote unquote, that our kids might grow up in and things like that. And so in light of that being released, I wanted to pick you guys' brains about that a little Sounds bit. Sounds good. Amongst my stories for the Take It or Leave segment are... Uh, one from Marcus Mumford, the front man for uh, the Mumford and Sons Band. Okay. Um, is it okay to call yourself a Christian? And also, we're going to find out if Facebook is ruining our collective marriages, because statistics oh. say it might be. Assuming we pick those stories and they take it or leave That's it. That's true, and, and there's some other fantastic ones that you may just totally uh, pick instead of those two, but... I throw those out there for you. Uh, to start out, we're going to talk about uh, Oh No, You Didn't. And, and I wanted to get oh, no. you guys' you take didn't. on something I did this week. Oh, uh, yes. I'm so this week, I engaged in not one, not two, not three, but multiple Facebook. What in the world were you thinking? Theological <laughs> type debatey things. Where at? Well, several places. I got into a big dust up on the Reformed Pubcast, uh, where uh, somebody on their Facebook page on the Facebook oh, page, yes, uh, somebody <laughs> alleged that uh, to be Reformed meant you have to be cessationist, which I uh, I Dang. heartily disagree with, along with John Piper, D. A. Carson, and and others, David McConnell, David, yeah, well, David McConnell, noted theologian. I look, I think those names all, yeah. Yeah. Um, so also, uh, we got in a big one on the uh, Hall of Dogma, our own page, about the uh, Michael Brown and Matt Vines debate last We have a week. Facebook page? We do, and you're occasionally there, but David, you've kind of been Mr. Absentia on social media here lately. No, Are no, you worried no. about your marriage? No. <laughs> okay, that was a long pause. Well, it was we'll a trick to, question. Uh, well, Nick, we're going to have to edit that out before <laughs> Mrs. Uh, Verbage hears this podcast because that 25-second uh, I was trying to think through the scary. question if it was one of those um, have you stopped beating your wife questions. <laughs> well, have you? 
So you can't answer There's that. another dramatic pause. This you is frightening. Actually, I do know that we have multiple pages on Facebook, thanks to you guys. So <laughs> Actually, we, yes, have, multiple we have one being page, two. David. So there's a there's a page, and then there's a, a group. Do we need to under, explain the, the technology to you again? Probably so, but not right. right now. Hey, Go our ahead. page is taking off. Uh, we had like 383 likes this week. That's awesome. But uh, I'm not one to count. What other debates did you get stuck in, speaking of social media? Oh, let's see. I got in a big one on the um, the Whopper Burger. Actually, the, I, I, it wasn't quite the... the big one on that and, and oh one on the uh, Hobby Lobby decision where somebody posted how it was so tragic that Hobby Lobby was denying contraceptive uh, contraceptives to their employees which of course is not at all true um, here, the, the uh, Matt Walsh article on that have you read it I have yeah I love Matt Walsh that was a funny article he is a plain spoken guy he is a plain spoken guy what's funny about that one and we'll go to the large thing but all of the commentary i heard about the hobby lobby decision before it happened was conservatives all of it and i would say 85 percent of the dialogue i've heard about it since has been all liberal which is it's just funny yeah i don't think anybody expected hobby lobby to win that case i don't i don't i guess not so anyway at large the the uh Arguing on social media. So essentially, in between eating and sleeping and maybe spending some time with your family, you have been creating havoc all over the interwebs. (laughs) Yes. And and that's my question for you guys. I don't normally do this. But ultimately, I think I spilled out about three or 4,000 words worth of posts this week. Which takes Captain Crunchy Um, about 10 minutes. uh, No, no, I'm not that fast. But, But a lot of writing. Is that wise? Is it a waste of time? Is it quarreling when we're not supposed to quarrel? I tried to be reasonable and not attacking and all that kind of stuff, but are we wasting our time debating theology and politics, etc., on Facebook? It, it can be. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't think it has to be, but I think it can be. You get you you jump in more on Twitter and things like that than I do, David. Uh, yeah, I tend to. I, I don't. Um, I, I I think that. I think Facebook is a better forum, even though I prefer Twitter um, in terms of just my own personal social media engagement. But I think Facebook is a is, is a better forum to have discussion on than Twitter. I think people that get into tweet wars, I mean, you only have 140 characters. I mean, so, you, you know, nothing that you say is going to – you're not going to be able to express yourself, even if you tweet out three or four or five in a row – um, which really is not what the platform's meant for sure. anyway. Uh, you're not going to be able to get your point across, and I think that I think that tweet wars are kind of uh, pointless. But you know, I think there's a place for it. I think there's a place to express. Um, you know, look, it, it's a it's a media forum, and people are going there to express themselves and to ask questions and engage with each other. The, the problem, one of the big problems, is like anything else, any type of electronic communication whether it's email twitter facebook you completely lose the context of hearing someone's voice the inflection in their voice uh being able to see their facial expressions and so you lose in 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 face-to-face communication we can hear each other and see each other and and not just hear the words but how it's being said to kind of uh be able to decide or decipher a person's intent and you lose that over electronic media and people read into a sentence or the way that you're saying something how they how they think you're saying it exactly so you can obviously be misunderstood and i think it's very easy for people to get offended 
uh, on on social media interaction, email interaction. That's a great point. And by the way, folks, it's a good reason why you shouldn't have arguments over text because that always uh, goes yes. bad. Absolutely. Yes. I, I, I get what you're saying about Twitter. I guess that may be why I spend more time on Twitter because it, it does have a degree of um, forcing people to be concise and you, you – it's hard to rant as much. Yeah. And, you know, I'll just kind of be skimming through Facebook and I will, you know, out of 10 posts I see, seven will be these click here for more. And, you know, you do. And it's it's another page and a half of just rant. And it, and it goes back to what you're saying about it, what always gets me is context. And I, I find myself reading into from my predisposed ideas of how I think this person may be expressing this. I read tone or inflection or things into it, and it may be the most heartfelt, sympathetic, um, compassionate articulation of something that they intend, but it just doesn't come across that way. And it's a beautiful medium because it does allow you to express and connect and things like that. But I think whenever, whenever we let that be the primary mechanism by which we communicate and we lose lose the face to face communication, especially on a social network that's supposed to be people we know, friends. Twitter is to me a little bit more pick and choose. Yeah, it, it's yeah, it's um, Facebook has always kind of encouraged, um, been more geared towards real life connections. And I think whenever that becomes the mechanism by which we communicate with people, and we we lose track of that face to face we lose track of what communication should be between people. I think ultimately apply the same rules to Facebook, to social media um, that you apply, I think should be applied to, you know, uh, face-to-face communication. That is that as Christians, I don't think we're called to win arguments. Um, uh, I I do think there's a place to, um, I think there's a, place for a there's a, a great place for apologetics and 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 for defense of the faith i think we should do that but even in defense of the faith and apologetics we're not out to try to win a debate we are out to 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 me plant the seeds of the gospel to put the message out there paul said in colossians chapter one i was reading it this week that that he had been made a minister according to stewardship from god to make the word of god fully known and and, and another way to put that or another way that you could translate that Greek word is to set forth fully the word. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a place, social media is being used by many, many people. So I think there is a place for us to go out and set forth the word of God fully in those mediums. But I think there has to be a place where, you know what, you set forth the truth, you set it out there, and then you back away and you don't have to have the last word and you don't have to, quote unquote, win the debate or the argument. And that's where it goes. That's where it gets difficult is whenever you you find people using it as a stump to stand up and 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 not even teach and preach from but sometimes fuss from yeah and i'm going to step into a little bit dangerous water here but i get very concerned with people who profess the christian faith that they talk about three things you know god guns and politics kind of thing and and there seems to be a correlation between the priority of all those things and it's hard to distinguish what they're really about. And and I guess that's where if you talk to them in real life that may be more metered, but sometimes this desire to craft an image we we may misprioritize things and that makes me that's something I I'm careful about and I worry about social media, but 
Well, I worried about that a little bit too. In fact, I'm worried about it a lot right now because my next segment is God's guns and politics, and uh, I'm going to have to edit that on the fly real quick. All right. Well, we'll go ahead uh, and pause the show real quick. We I got, am we kidding. We got some time, though. We, okay, good. Let's let's pause it for a second. I will say this along those lines. We have, uh, we all know Christians who they're constantly posting controversial things, especially in those uh, arenas that, that you just mentioned. And, and here's the thing I think we forget as Christians, that there are multiple commands in Scripture like 2 Timothy 2.24, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everybody, able to teach, patiently enduring evil. And even one we don't quote quite as much around here, Philippians 2.14, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent. So I do, I, I, I'm feeling you guys. I do feel like there is a place online for, uh, as you said, David, defending biblical truth. But when Christians get involved in arguments, and in particular, when Christians get involved with arguments with each other, I really think that we are violating God's word. We're doing the same thing Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians. It's like we're taking each other to court publicly, mm-hmm. and that shames the gospel. You, it's funny you mentioned the Reformed pub is one of the places that you got well you may not mention you may not mention pre-show no no i, I did mention it okay. post-show as well okay um, show and you know it's post-show it's hasn't got here yet so if you mention it post-show <laughs> it's good. It, it has for me you've but got a time was in the tardis earlier <laughs> you have a time machine <laughs> I, was, I, was, I never understood why they picked like the the lamest ford ever made for their time machine we were talking doctor who not back to the future no doctor who yeah the tor the taurus the <laughs> Gosh, it all your science fiction just yelled, no! is Bean is never going to listen to the show in its ever. shallowness. Um, we're Actually, sorry, that was a, that was a funny joke. Well done. Um, if it was really a joke, that's the thing. I hope um, it was. But, you know, that's one of the things that troubles me because I, you know, traditionally I would classify myself as, as an Armenian. And we've, we've talked about that a little bit on the show. But sometimes, you know, going to the, the pub, the Reform Pubcasts have, listening to the show – and I, and I don't think they mean to be this way, but they almost have a, um, if not an anti-Armenian bent, a, um, you know, oh, those, those poor Armenians, they just don't get it yet. They're so cute in there. And it's You're like, not accusing reformed people of being arrogant, are you? <clears throat> That's kind of what I think. I have a t-shirt that says that. <laughs> Poor Armenian. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but but I, I guess that's the, the concern I have is what – and I am not in any way trying to advocate for people to compromise or not be sound in their theology. Please don't hear me say that. But I know a lot of very, very smart, learned, Bible-adhering, gospel-proclaiming Armenians, and I know just as many Calvinists. And and I wonder if we do discredit to the name of Jesus or the gospel when when they see us fighting amongst ourselves so much. Well, hey, all of our Reformed friends, uh, we want you to tweet us if you know many God-fearing, Bible-believing Armenians. That's awesome. Uh, and how many you know. That's awesome. 
Thank you That's for that. Awesome. I'm just kidding. All right, well, I'm, I'm, you make a good point. I was just being you know, kind actually of on this discussion. I'm I'm a little convicted because I just realized, guys, that we started the show without uh, pulling back the curtain a little bit. We started the show without prayer, which oh we always pray before we, we start the oh, show. Wow. So if you guys don't mind, I'm just going to say a quick prayer based on Psalm 19 that I just looked hey, up. Hey, pray for, us. for uh, Robert Johnson too. His wife, uh, no, Robert Johnson, friend of the show. His wife is having Robert, a baby today. Yes, and uh, I'm sure he's fine with us saying that because he puts it out on Twitter. So okay, uh, it's. If not, Robert, let me know, and I'll edit the show real quick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Once he hears this, I mean, it just went out. It to, would possibly it just be went out to millions of people. Well, there are a lot worldwide. of Robert Johnsons. So let's let's pray. Uh, Psalm nineteen. Also, keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, and I shall be acquitted of great transgression. Father, let the words of our mouth and the meditations yes. of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And may you be glorified through our conversation and through this show. Be with Robert and his wife and their family today, uh, Father, and uh, uh, deliver them this great and tremendous blessing in full health. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Game time. Oh, game time. All right. Always got to pray before game time. (laughs) So talked to Kevin a little bit this week after the show, and he enjoyed being on it. And so, again, Kevin, thank you for um, holding down the fort for me so I could go on vacation. But um, what I did this week is I picked a game that both of you guys have an equal chance of winning, except the guy who's been in seminary. Um, You go from, like, what did y'all pick? Keller? up to Tertullian. And so what were you like? Come on guys. That's not even fair. Kevin was like, if they had had a Chandler on there or a Driscoll, I might've had a chance, but Tertullian. I think it was over when like two sentences into one of the quotes, I already knew it was Keller. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was such a Keller quote. Yeah. Well, you have the four horsemen of modern Calvinism tattoo on your back and Keller's one of those. And so that just wasn't even fair. All right. So this is, um, we're going to do a quiz from the Disney movie Frozen. I'm sorry. I, All right. Have you seen Frozen? Let it go. Wait, wait. wait. Have you seen Frozen? Uh, yeah, about 19 times. Oh, cra- I haven't seen it. Are you serious? No. When? Oh, my gosh. Nice. All right. So the original. Well, for Chase, this is going to be like the Nintendo game all over again. He's just going to sit there and drool. Uh, uh, and I'm asking the questions. Okay, so I will say this. My kids watched it in the back of the van one time when I was we were driving home from Tennessee. That's not going to help you uh, at No, all. it's not. I didn't see it. Uh, great. Okay. If, if you beat me, I owe you a waffle from Waffle House. Okay, deal. If By the I way, if you, I lose, if me, this will be my first loss on the Gospel Friends. Dum, dum, dum. The stakes are set. All right, And I'm so, just going to say the fix is in. Well, look, this this is probably the easiest of the first few questions. Um, so this first one's going to you. What original story is Frozen based on, Chase? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, it's actually a true story, Chase. I don't know if you know that. Is it really? That's, is that true? A, a, tr- a true story? Are we really going to call what that a, a true, true story? story is yes, frozen Chase, based on a little girl, All right. little All right, boy hold on. raised by trolls. Into the snow. Well, remember, I have seen of the, the movie. I'm trying to help you. Out. Okay, go ahead. Into the snow. Sisters of the ice. The snow. The snow queen. Easy winter. For you to say. The eternal frost. The cold depths of royalty. Freezer burn. On thin ice. This was like A through J. Multiple choice. Oh, H. Age. Oh, oh, those were multiple choices? Because that didn't sound like that. <laughs> what did you think it was? On thin ice. And it is, David, you know, we'll get you an extra point if you know what it is. Um, 
I wasn't listening to the choices. All right. So, David, the uh, who is the voice? What was the answer? The Snow Queen. Oh, okay. Who is the voice of Elsa? Well, that's the only one I know. Do I get multiple choice? The Literally, the only question I know is that one. Kristen Bell, Mandy Moore, Leah Michelle, Adina Menzel, Kristen Chenoweth, Christina Aguilera, mm-hmm. Jody Benson, or Britney Spears? Adina Menzel. You got it. One point to David. Boom. Chase, Chase is giving me hey, fairy. Hey, if I beat you, you owe me a waffle. What Disney movie did the voices Glaring. of Anna audition for? Anna and Elsa auditioned for, but didn't get the part. What Disney movie did the voices of Anna and Elsa audition for, but didn't get the part? Okay. What? Well, you're not going to give me a multiple Really? Choice? You need... Oh, my goodness. You made me sad. All right. Cinderella 3, A Twist in Time. Tangled. Brave. The Little Mermaid. Lilo and Stitch. Toy Story. The Princess and the Frog. Tangled. You got it. One and one. Boom. Hmm. Goes the dynamite. Shillock, lock, boom. Gazoontite. That's how we used to say it old school. By the end of... Oh, how many points do we get to win? Uh, she's one. Good, like three. And I just won. All right. <laughs> well, technically, David got there. By the end of the movie, how old is Elsa the Snow Queen? Where's my multiple choice? Oh, my goodness. 18, 19, 23, 20, 21, 15, 16... Or 22. 21. Wow. You got it. Sorry, Dave. Sorry, Dave. <sighs> you lucky dog. How old is Anna by the end of the movie, Chase? She's the younger sister, so I'll go ahead and give you that clue. Okay. You've got 20, 14, 15, 13, 21, 18, 17, or 16? 18. Correct. Two to two. Boom. All right. True or false, David? Kristoff does not sing in the movie. Multiple choice? <laughs> yes, it's multiple choice. A, um, true, B, false, C, maybe. You know, now that I've seen this movie a dozen times or more, and it, um, I just realized how bad I am with names, because I can't remember if Kristoff is actually the um, the evil prince or the uh, good prince. Kristoff is the snowman. Kristoff is the snowman? He doesn't need hints. He's sent it a hundred times. Olaf, no, Olaf is the snowman. <laughs> Olaf is the snow. Uh, Kristoff is the. I'm gonna think. I think he's the good prince, and he does not sing in the movie. So you're saying true or false? I'm saying. Wait, what was the? What was the? Kristoff does not sing in the movie. True, true or false? True. Chase for a bonus point. I'll let you try to answer. Uh, false. <laughs> Point. Hey, that's three points in your face. Wait, where's my waffle? We'll go to five. We'll go to five. Ah, oh, changing of the rules. I'm telling you, the fix is in. Wait, which one was Kristoff? Kristoff is not a prince. He is the one that has an awkward relationship with a reindeer. All right, three yeah, to two. Okay. Question okay, to me. He's the, he's the other one. Oh, right. whoa, what? Nothing. Don't worry. This about is it. a kids' movie. Don't worry about it. Just oh it's a good. Gosh. It's a good. Movie. When is the first time Elsa and Anna touch after being separated all of those years? Okay, where's my multiple choice? Oh, it is to you in it. My yes. Best. I thought it was to David. I got confused. In Elsa's ice castle, Okay. when Elsa runs away, when their parents die. In Elsa's coronation, when Anna is frozen, when Anna and Hans ask for Elsa's blessing to be married, when Elsa is captured, at the end of the movie when they're ice skating. When Anna is frozen. 
Correct. <laughs> wow. Wow. He takes a two-point lead. What are you going to do, Devin? I guess I'm going to buy a waffle. <laughs> <laughs> what Disney prince and princess make a cameo in the movie, Devin? Oh, oh, oh. Um, uh, the, the ones from Tangled. I'll give it to you. Okay, thank you. All right. So, Chase, one point to win. Elsa's hair is what color? No multiple choice. Oh, my goodness. I can't see from that. I mean, the, the screen was behind me. Oh, I'm going to no, say. No. Okay, so here's the thing. I'm going to give you the multiple choice. Okay. Because this is, when I when I took this quiz online to get the correct answers earlier. That was me sighing. I was like, you really made a question out of this? Blonde, white, dirty blonde, platinum blonde, beige, strawberry blonde, gray, or yellow. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. I'm like, what the heck? Blonde. That's platinum blonde. I said blonde first. I have to go with that. What, what what was it? See, I technically have to give it to David because I've been kicking him back and forth. So, David, I'm going to go ahead and let you. It is not blonde. So, David? Yeah, well, I thought I knew the answer until you started the, <gasps> it's white. Incorrect. It, uh, it is platinum blonde. Oh, platinum blonde. Gummit. Wow. Platinum blonde. I, thought, right, so I thought her hair was white. You dodged a bullet. Still four to three. All right. Well, they may be drawn a distinction between whenever she starts the movie and when she becomes Snow Queen. Um, how many brothers does Hans have, David? Oh, like 14. Do you want me to give you the multiple choice? Yes, give me the multiple okay. choice. 11, 15, 13, 16, 9, 10, 14, or 12? Um, um, wait, what were they again? 12. Correct. All right. So That was four. four. Oh, man. Dang it. All right. All right, Chase. You got to lock it up here. All right. Besides the voice of Elsa, who else is known for singing the song Let It Go? Hey, I was kidding about that waffle thing. <laughs> uh, besides the voice of Elsa, who else is known for singing Let It Go? All those dudes on Facebook. Oh, my God. Or wow. YouTube. All right. Demi Lovato, okay. Selena Gomez, Kristen Bell, Christina Aguilera, Leah Michelle, Beyonce, Barbara Streisand, or Dove Cameron? Okay, say them one more time. No, you just pick. Demi Lovato, Selena Gomez, Kristen Bell, Christina Aguilera, Leah Michelle, Beyonce, Barbara Streisand, or Doug, <laughs> Doug, Dove Cameron. Excuse me. It was Doug. Dang, I don't. Um, Selena Gomez. Was incorrect. David? Oh, the Bell Lady. No, it was Not Demi that. Lovato. Oh, dang. I knew it was one of those two. All right, David. This is maybe where your um, exposure to the movie, we'll call it, um, helps you out. Finish this line from Do You Want to Build a Snowman? It gets a little lonely. Do you want to build a snowman? All right. What's my multiple choice? You shouldn't need it. All right. Never seeing you. I don't know what to do. I want to sing the blues. I feel like a fool. But hey, what's new? All these empty rooms with nothing to do. Joan, it's just me and you. All these empty rooms. And that is correct. Sorry, Chase. <sighs> I'll take pecan. Down in flames. I never agreed to that. Pecan. <laughs> I won this game at three. And also coffee. Yeah, good luck. Never agreed on coffee. I'll call foul on that. All right, so David goes first. I'll be in the middle, and Chase will bring up the 
rear. This well, is five for, and dime. For the uh, four people who are still listening who actually like that movie, uh, we are going to do a new segment today. Don't called, judge. No, Look, it was going to be Star Wars because like I've it. listened to two of the Air of the Empire books over hey, the last couple of weeks. Everybody oh. likes Frozen. Anytime I can beat Chase in something, it's a good day. I'm out. See you. Five and dime, guys. So new segment. I basically created this segment uh, because I couldn't decide between two <laughs> Two topics, and so I created a make it work for a new segment called Five and Dime. Essentially, I'm going to give you the two topics, uh, and you guys are going to pick. We're going to allocate around five minutes to one of these, and ten minutes a dime to the other. So, so you, five and dime, five and dime. <laughs> so you got to decide like uh, which of these you would rather spend a little bit more time talking about. So the first one is when politics and culture invade our fast food restaurant. Talking about the proud Whopper, although it's not the only time. That this has happened. Um, remember Chick Fil A fiasco from just a year or two ago. The other fiasco? one fiasco. Uh, You're going to call that a fiasco? Day. Sorry. And uh, the other one is for Independence Day and Fourth of July celebrations. Brings up the question of how patriotic should we be in our church services around uh, holidays like the Fourth of July, Memorial Day, and things like that, or any other time throughout the year. So, guys, which one you have to? The two of you have to work it out. But which, which which one do you want to spend uh, about five minutes on? Which one do you want to spend about ten minutes on? I vote five and ten the way he presented them. So, the proud whopper five, and then the patriotic churches ten works for I, me. I think we're going to talk longer on the <laughs> patriotic churches. Sounds All good. right. So, about five minutes here, guys. Uh, recently in San Francisco, California, the Burger King out there unveiled a new whopper called the Proud Whopper. Now, if you go out and watch the video, which we can put in the show notes. Um, they actually, as people came in to order the Whopper, they offered them, hey, would you like the new Proud Whopper? And so some of them, that was all they told them. They didn't tell them what it was, what was different about it. Just gave them this uh, this Proud Whopper, which was wrapped in a rainbow-colored uh, wrapping. And and in the video, there's a lot of people sitting around trying to figure out what's different about them. Some of them saying, well, it, it tastes a little bit sweeter than the regular Whopper and all of this. Well, as it turns out, there's nothing different about it. The wrapper simply says, uh, we're all the same on the inside, I believe is uh, the actual um, quote or the quotation on the wrapper. And so uh, this is part of Burger King's efforts to evolve its longtime have it your way tagline to what seems uh, the more modern be your way tagline. So Burger King is is uh, taking this effort. Um, I think it's a limited time only in San Francisco, although ultimately I don't know if it will be something nationwide. Obviously, it is in uh, in uh, uh, support of the gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgendered community. I think some of the um, uh, money from those uh, particular burgers were, were going into, um, I heard, a scholarship fund for uh, San Francisco area high school students uh, to go to college. Yeah, by the way, if you happen to watch the video, I believe there is some profanity in there. Yeah, So just okay. profanity yeah. warning. And, and, and also some... Um, I think uh, uh, not modestly dressed people. So be careful about the video. But essentially, guys, here's the question. What about when culture and politics and and uh, issues of the day come to our fast food restaurants? We saw this with Chick-fil-A uh, a year or so ago when uh, it came out that Chick-fil-A was supporting um, uh, pro-traditional marriage groups. We've seen it with Starbucks where – Hold know, on, though. Was it – it wasn't even Chick-fil-A. It was the owner with money he made from yeah, – Yeah, you're right. Actually, I think it was the owner, um, Dan Cathy, who yeah. in an interview said he 
supported traditional marriage, yeah. correct? Yes. So that, um, it, okay. right, go ahead. Well, comment, no, that's, comment away. <clears throat> we only have a couple minutes. Woosah. Um, yes. Red verbiage is intro. Um, sorry. Love you, David. Uh, no, I... And I guess that is the difference to me is that um, one difference to me is that with the Chick-fil-A thing, you had a guy say something and people lost their minds about it because one guy said something they didn't like and they attributed that to the entire corporation. And in the most memorable, the most memorable video I saw about it was this guy our age or older berating this late teen to early 20 year old cashier who is making maybe seven bucks an hour, maybe eight if she's been there for any amount of time, berating her because she works at Chick-fil-A and she's trying to to hold a job in this economy, but because she works at a restaurant whose owner has a politic he doesn't agree with, let's berate the teenage girl. Yeah. yeah. Really, bro? Come on. Uh, In terms of the proud whopper, it just doesn't surprise me. And I... It is in San Francisco, so I mean, yes. You know, that's uh, well, and if it's in anything, was it? Re- it was recently, correct? Yeah, this, yeah, this past week was yeah. um, was Gay Pride Week, correct? Uh, yes, actually, it, this coincided with that. Yeah, uh, and per- so I mean, the parade out there. It, it, it kind of goes without saying, you know, what are, what are you expecting to encounter in San Francisco during Gay Pride Week? Um, and but um, I think maybe not explaining to your patrons what they are maybe uh, supporting when they purchased that. Um, that that's a little disingenuous, and I don't think that's um, that's good. And I and to me, there's a there's a very strong distinction between the, the Chick Fil A controversy and this because buying a chicken sandwich at Chick Fil A wasn't overtly, you know, there's a lot of layers. There was no wrapper on the Chick Fil A yeah. sandwiches saying where um, this is. You don't realize what you're getting until yeah. it's, it's too late. And to me, that's that's disingenuous, and that's not right. Well, the thing that was interesting to me was that uh, John Piper uh, posted, uh, I believe it was on Facebook and Twitter, uh, a video of this, uh, talked about how uh, hard he was hit uh, to the point of weeping uh, about the end of the video where uh, a little girl talks about how much she loves her two moms uh, and then essentially says... Uh, goodbye, Burger King. As, uh, you know, I don't know if he's calling for a boycott or is personally saying that he was no longer going to uh, visit visit Burger King. For for my family, in a sense, and that's one of the questions I'd, I'd like to focus on: Should we boycott uh, a, a place like this as Christians? We don't go to Burger King. I don't like Burger King. Their burgers stink to me. And, and that's, I mean, that, that has nothing to do with their political stance. Yeah. This would be a real challenge <laughs> if it was a place we love to go to really try to discern what the right thing was to do here. I like their chicken sandwich, the crispy original. I, I mean, literally, it's been years since we've eaten at Burger yeah. King. I, in particular, am not a, a fan of their food. Um, but should Christians boycott a place like this? You know, Paul talks about eating meat, buying meat that might be sacrificed to idols and such like that. And he says, eat whatever sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience. Uh, at the same time, this is something that's just kind of so in your face, limited, though, to San Francisco at this point. So, Yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to see if they take this more um, nationwide at some point, but... Um you know, just kind of wrapping up this one because we got to move on. It, it uh, I'm not a boycott guy. I, I, I am I, also not a boycott. You know, I'd say guy guys like here. I like I like my Starbucks, and and you know, I'm I'm well aware that they, um, that they are 
supporter of uh, uh, gay marriage, but you know, I, I think I think you have to be careful as Christians getting into that because you know, if you if you're really going to boycott places that don't quote unquote have Christian values, then you need to check the CEOs of Target and Walmart and. Dollar Tree and their lifestyle and what kind of sin issues they may be into before you go into those stores and buy products. So, well, but not even that, the products they sell in those stores. And if yeah. the CEO of said product supports such and such, well, then you can't support that company, so you can't support the company that sells them. Yes. And, and all of a sudden, we're all moving to the Jesus farm and only eating stuff we grew with with animals well, we met yeah I, I i am just not a i am just not a, a boycott guy i'm not saying that I, there would never be a time that i would do that but i don't think you know I, i'm like you we don't really eat at burger king but i don't i don't think i would be heading to burger king and say oh wait a minute they sold the proud whopper in san francisco i'm gonna i'm gonna turn away i will say i think that this is you know as um i've tried to talk at length about you know we're not quote unquote anti um uh, Gay people and anti, you know, people who uh, are tempted by uh, homosexuality and 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 are are in that lifestyle. Um, you know, we don't believe that's a greater sin than any other. We do believe it's you know giving into that and and living out that lifestyle is a sin. But uh, I think this is just this is something that if a if a Christian run organization like Chick Fil A was doing this type of thing, wrapping up sandwiches to support traditional marriage or something like that. This this would be something that they would be crucified for, uh, for lack of a better term. I mean, it would be public humiliation and shame, and and this seems to be something that is celebrated. and And I think uh, I, I think the way that people are defining themselves by their sexuality um, is uh, you're seeing companies do this. I think to make money. Quite honestly, I think this is just a tactic by them to play to their market, and uh, I think they have a market there in San Francisco. And uh, I think this is their way of, of playing to that for the purpose of boosting sales. And so, yeah, I don't I don't see calls in the scripture to engage in things like a boycott. Mm-hmm. I do see multiple calls in scripture to make disciples of Jesus and to preach the gospel, which uh, I think really is what we should be about the business of doing much more so than boycotting uh, groups we don't agree with. All right. So let's talk about a little bit closer to home, the church. We just celebrated Independence Day this uh, past uh, Friday and uh, here in the United States. And as with that, we talked earlier, God and country, a, a particularly well-known slogan, especially here in the South. Guys, how patriotic should our churches be? So from anything from uh, there's uh, discussions about should churches display the American flag? I'll expand the question a little bit. How much of our church services should be dedicated to patriotism and honoring country? Uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on, on that? Well, I, I guess I'll start. Uh, I have a fairly controversial view on this, uh, at least um, somewhat. Wait, is it provocative? I, it might be or provocative. Or just controversial. No, this or is probably controversial. I don't know if this is provocative. Um, okay. I think very little, if any, of our church services should be patriotic. 
Um, now, does that should we honor veterans? Yes, we honor. There, we're supposed to be people who honor each other. So yes, do we honor veterans? Do we honor people who have sacrificed for our country? Yes, yes, and yes. At the same time, we are sojourners and exiles. We're aliens and strangers in this world. We are not. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're not first and foremost an American. You're first and foremost to your core a follower of Jesus, which makes you uh, an alien and a stranger. Um, now, there's there's plenty of uh, scripture about, uh, uh, for instance, in Ezekiel, how the people there, were to, the Jews there, were told to work for the good of the city, Babylon, that they lived in, even though they weren't mm. Babylonians, even though Babylon was a pagan nation. And we live in a nation that has a lot of Christians and uh, a Christian foundation and such, but you don't find America in the Bible. Um, I don't know that you could rightly even say that America is a Christian nation. Um so, you know, we, we, we're all ministers here. We all have leadership roles in the local church. Uh, our focus when the church gathers, uh, particularly on a Sunday morning or whatever, is, is not on patriotism. It's on God. It's on his word um, and such. So, so are you for flying an American flag in a church? You have a feeling toward that one way or the other, or are you just not? I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't have a particular problem with that. Now, would you like for a church that would start out by saluting the flag or pledging allegiance to the flag at the beginning? I, I think I would have a problem with that. I, I saw a local. Uh, I think it was local. Um, uh, I, I don't remember where I saw this, but there there was a church that started off their service. Um, I saw a video of with the, you know, the the national anthem. Um, kind of kicked off the service, their worship team, and uh, started off with the national anthem playing it. And I thought that was, uh, I don't know, I, as I watched that, I thought, eh, I probably, I, don't, I, I just don't know that that's the right place. Well, ask, ask yourself this question. I know Nick wants to comment. If you're in Iran or Afghanistan or a country or Somalia or Sudan, should, should those people in those countries, which... Uh, uh, some of which are run by Sharia law, uh, some of uh, some of which you have uh, un- completely opposed to God, governments and leadership. Should those people be patriotic? And I, I would say no. I don't think they should. Uh, those people who are Christians should they be patriotic um, in their church services? And I would say no, but because those countries aren't Christian countries. Well, you know, why should we? This one's a fun one um, for me, and it actually goes back a little bit to the discussion we had about arguing on on Facebook, because there is such a seeming emphasis um, drawn where in the area we live, we live in the southeastern United States, between your Christianity and your conservatism, and with that, your your patriotism, and you know, I love. You can love Jesus as long as you hate Obama, and if you agree with Obama, then you don't like America. And and all of a sudden, we've gone from Jesus to an American, and and I don't understand why any of those why those things have to to correlate. And, and so, it, it's a it's a sticky 
situation. Um, I, I, I kind of go back to what what Chase said in terms of uh, veterans and, and honoring the people that yeah. that do serve, uh, police officers, firemen, you yeah. know, those kind of guys, these these guys that stand century over us and, and watch over us, showing honor to them. And if that if if that involves um, and, and we are blessed in, in the country with a lot of freedoms we have, and I and I I'm one of those those crazy guys that do believe the founding fathers. Um, a lot of them, I understand. You know, there's some famous atheists or non-theists in that camp, um, but I do believe there was a lot of um, uh, Christian principles involved in the in the founding of our nation. But that that doesn't mean we deify our our country or we prioritize our patriotism over our our. Uh, banner of Jesus, yes. and and I think there is a too strong a correlation drawn between that, um, and and too much of an emphasis on it in our churches. I am by no means one of these push away, and you know our country has nothing for us. Kind of, I, I'm not that kind of guy. But um, you know our our hope is not in a president. It's not in a government. Our security is not in those things either. And, and I'm I'm not. Um, unappreciative of the people who have who have served, and, and the people that still tr- try to congressmen and things like that, even the presidents that that try to better our country. But our our three in the room, the people listening that, that call themselves believers, that's not our hope. That's not our security. And, and I, you know, I get worried when we make it more than it is. I do the same. And, and listen, before I get emails addressed to Comrade Chase. <laughs> Uh, let me say this. I, I've, I've gone on a lot of mission trips. I've, I've been to several countries. One of the times I got back, uh, I literally fell on the ground and kissed the ground because I missed America so much. America is a that great be nation. There is, you know, if you guys haven't traveled a lot, you don't realize how, how much better we have it in terms of food, in terms of sanitation, in terms of highway, in terms of water, and, and in terms of things like that. Uh, we're a great nation with a lot of freedom. I'm just saying that is under the kingdom of God and our allegiances yeah. and our loyalties. Three things real quick for me, I think, to just kind of wrap it up. Number one, it's, I, I think, even when I say that about starting off the service with the stars, you know, national anthem, um, and saying I, I don't think that's the place, it's because I believe the gathering of the believers on the Lord's Day is to uh, exalt Jesus, and so I think there's a, I, I think that time should be about exalting Christ, and so I look, I'd say the same thing about. I think you got to you got to avoid being too patriotic during that time. I think I think the same thing about bringing in your football allegiance during that time. I'm not a big fan of, of. Um, you know, uh, of even, you know, funny um, uh, skits. I'm not talking about dramas, but I just mean funny announcement skits or something in the middle of a service. I just, I think there's a place there where we just need to focus on on honoring Christ. Number two, I think we don't need to marry Jesus to any particular country, just as yes. I think what you guys have said. I mean, you know, Jesus is not American. He, <laughs> he, he stands, he's the, the kingdom of God. And America is not... Forever, America will not last forever. No country will. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of God will last. I mean, we had here, even in this small rural town in Alabama, just three months ago, we had a Sunday where we had some exchange students from um, some Asian countries here on a Sunday morning. If you're over patriotic in your services, it pl- paints this message of it's God and God in America, Jesus and and country, and we're not. That's not what we're about here. It's it's all about Jesus. And and I, I think the the you know I think ultimately 
um, it is, uh, you know, I just had a, 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 I said a Rick Perry moment where I said there was going to be three things and I can't remember the third thing. <clears throat> and that lost the election for him. So I may not be elected podcaster of the year. Um, but I, I think that, um, oh, I, I know what I was going to say. I, I, I do stop short of being too dogmatic about it. I, I stop short of saying, uh, because, I mean, where I think we do honor veterans. I think we honor those people who have fought for our freedom. I think it's biblical. Romans chapter 12, verse 10 says, Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. We have the great freedom in this country to get up on a Sunday and go to church without fear of persecution. And I think we should honor those people who have sacrificed for that, those people who have given their lives over for that. I think we should honor them, look for ways to honor them, seek out places to honor them. And I think there's appropriate places in a church service to do that. So I separate the being patriotic and honoring the country and honoring our veterans something different. And I I do think there's a place for the honoring of our veterans and those who have fought for our freedom in our in our services. So that's where I land on it. That's good stuff. Hey, we want to hear from you. So go to Facebook and go into the Hall of Dogma. And if you think we are uh, commie sympathizers or uh, underminers <laughs> of America, chance. we want to hear from you. We want to hear what you think about this issue. So just go on, join the Hall of Dogma. Uh, H-A-L-L-O-F-D-O-G-M-A and and make a post. And Nick, I think it's your turn. Real quick, I'm going to check in with my superiors at the Kremlin while you get your your topic ready. I'll be right back. You know, with lead-ins like that, it it really can kind of throw. Do you know I can hum the Russian, the old Soviet national anthem? You're not making this better. Do you understand that? All right. Address your complaints to David. Because you were born in Moscow. No, because I was a professional wrestling fan, and Nikolai Volkov would sing it before every. (laughs) It always comes back to pro wrestling. That is that is delightful. Well, Kyle, as we talked about at the beginning of the show, um, Barnabas Piper, uh, son of uh, theologian, uh, former pastor John Piper, um, wouldn't call him friend of the show per se, but. Oh, we could call John Piper. We'd, oh, we'd love to call him a friend of the show. <laughs> Wait, does um, he have to know us at all to be a friend of the no, show? He's friends to everybody. Okay. There you go. Hey. Um, but he was a he was a pastor for over thirty years, correct? Um, and uh, the church started off uh, not tiny, but um, grew into what could be easily described as a mega church. Um, although it doesn't seem like he was kind of a as networky as as some you may. What? Oh, I thought somebody yawned. Did you oh, yawn, not Chase? Me. Never. Chase yawned. Sorry. You're well, yawning Chase, I'm glad we show. can hold your attention. We're no longer talking about communists. Are you so, bored? Chase, do you have something have else to do? Chase. Look, I was up to like 4.30 last night. The sermon had a hard time coming together. So That's if, a good word today. Well, if I oh, heard you God. yawning, I promise you the people out in podcast land heard Well, it. thank you for calling attention to it. I hope one of you belches or worse because <laughs> I'm sure going to point it out. To all of our fans in Christendom. Well, look, belching would Goobers. be explainable. Not, you know, I mean, because you're drinking a drink, but yawning, you know, it signifies being checked out and bored. I'm going to tell Comrade Niedermeyer, <laughs> and you're going to be recalled to the KGB office. I'm sorry, Nicholas. Oh, wait. Is it Nicholas or Nikolai? <laughs> well, in America, we say Nicholas. Just so Somebody you know, get safe. me out of here. <laughs> all right, Nikolai. So, Barnas Piper recently <laughs> released a book. Um, no, but, you know, John Piper, obviously, um, uh, large church there um, in, in P- Pennsylvania, right? Bethlehem, Pennsylvania? No, Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota. Wait. 
It's, it's, it's Bethlehem it's Church, Bethlehem, but it's in it's one of those, it's I one knew of what the, I meant. It's one of those states. That One of them, their states. Okay, so yes. Um, but he talks in the book about uh, growing up a pastor's kid or PK. And um, it was interesting because his, his father wrote the foreword to the book. And um, even, even John Piper admitted, you know, um, he was glad his son wrote the book, but some of the things were hard to read and, um, and things like that. It just... It, the book in general got me thinking. I'm about a t- two chapters in um, Vacation Derailed My Reading a little bit. Um, but, you know, he just, he talks about um, the, I don't want to use the word struggles, but just the perspectives um, growing up a pastor's kid and what that entails for him. And, um, you know, his his siblings have had different paths than him a little bit. And um, for me, it, it kind of, we are in various degrees of ministry here um, at, at our church. And, and outside of here, we, we all, we have different ministry roles as well. And so it got me thinking, and the reason I wanted to read this book is um, to get a child's perspective on living with this. And so... Um, Chase is giggling again, and now I'm distracted. Do y'all want a bit of trivia? Focus. I'd love I used a bit to, of trivia. I used to play Words with Friends with Barnabas Piper. Did no you way. really? Yeah. He would... Uh, well, look, I looked up somebody named Barnabas Piper on Words with Friends, and I played him. <laughs> I'm assuming it was him. Wow. What could possibly go wrong? Now, it, it was his uh, Facebook or Twitter handle or something, and uh, yeah, I played... Uh, I played. Uh, like, did you Words win? With, I, I beat him sometimes. He beat me sometimes. It's That's awesome. Way what, what caused the games to stop, David? Uh, one of us went away. I don't remember which one. Interesting. I can guess. Yeah, but I can't too. Um, you started talking about pro wrestling in the in the side chat, and you <laughs> lost him. Um, and so, in light of of us, um, we all feel called to some some degree of ministry, and it got me thinking about the impact that has on my family. And in light of this book specifically, our children. So I kind of wanted to throw this to you guys in how that that works for you and your families. And so, um, Chase, I'm going to ask you kind of first and kind of direct a question at you because you actually have a little bit of perspective. You have children, um, but your wife is also the child of a minister. Yes. And so, you know, kind of in light of, in light of what you know of, of Barnabas's book, and I understand you may not have read all of it, um, but have you seen kind of this, this limelight that kids are under um, who are the, the children of ministers? And, and what effect have you seen – have you seen it have? That's and a great how question. Does that... It's a great question. I've been in ministry for about 20 years now, uh, have five kids, um, and, and have been pastoring uh, here at our uh, current church for oh, about six and a half years. Uh, so in a sense, my kids have grown up being the child of a pastor. Um, and and for I, I think this is true, and I hope I'm not just merely deceiving myself, it doesn't seem to be a very big deal for them. For my eldest daughter, who is uh, 13 going on 19, apparently, <laughs> um, she's aware that she's a pastor's daughter. Um, but it, it – and I've actually – I actually talked to her a little bit about Barnabas Piper's book and, and engaged her a little bit on it. And, and it, she sounded interested in it. She sounded like she wanted to read it. She sounded like she had thought about before what it means to be a pastor's kid and how there's some uh, – maybe some extra scrutiny with that. Um, but the other kid – my other kids seem uh, – you know, I have an 11-year-old, a 10-year-old, um, and, and some younger ones – they seem rather oblivious to that, and, and I've wondered before if part of that is uh, has at least a little something to do with the fact that we don't make a big deal of titles around here. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, hey! 
Um, You're still in my thunder. That's what I was going to talk about. Oh, okay. Let's see. Well, now I got to come up with something. Part different. of that is because around here we raise our children to. Why don't you yawn and fall asleep, and I'll finish up? Well, let me. <sighs> if, if David's going to hit there, let me ask. With with your wife having grown up that way, has she noticed? Has she ever mentioned any any of that kind of focus or limelight, or did that ever? Um, my wife, uh, her, the, the church, uh, she, one of the churches she grew up in, uh, was involved in a fairly nasty church split, mm-hmm. which uh, um, I think was very painful to okay. her father and, and somewhat painful to her family. Although it appears that her parents very much shielded them from okay. the vast amounts of the effects, so there's no bitterness there. I've never heard my wife, uh, my wife, my wife. <laughs> I told you I didn't get enough sleep. I've never heard my wife. Talk, I will edit that uh, bitterly. No no, 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 leave it. I, I, I've never t- heard her talk bitterly about the scrutiny of being a pastor's kid or anything like that. Okay. In fact, I think she enjoyed it a great deal. Really? Yeah. Um, by the I, way, we're not mega church pastors, which right, I do think yeah. makes a bit. Of I think difference. that makes a difference. And, and that was going to be a question I'm going to ask. I, I really think, it, you know, I, I, I know that, um, and and Barnes Piper, even in one of his uh, blogs I read recently, continue. <laughs> yeah, that was a, um, usually you cough to cover that up, but hey, that, that was, was payback for all the mocking. Dave that was Captain Crunchy. My way. That was Captain Crunchy on his uh, fifth adult beverage <laughs> of the podcast. <laughs> So just, any, just for the record, if adult <laughs> beverage includes Diet Mountain Dew. Uh, well, you wouldn't want your kids drinking that. I do apologize for your, what happened to your ears with the... Um, yeah, sorry about that. I don't know if y'all noticed, but it sprayed all over me, too. So I'm a little embarrassed right now. I um, I think that, you know, I, Bar- Barnabas talks about in one of his uh, recent blogs about how a lot of pastors that he contacted said, hey, I don't really think this is a problem. And, and he actually talked about that's probably them being blind to it really is a problem and your kids are coming. And so I want to take, I want to understand that and say, yes, look, I, I, if there are blind spots, God, let me see those. But I do think that one of the reasons this becomes an issue is because of the way the pastor in a church gets put up on a pedestal. And, and, you know, obviously the, the, the way that we govern ourselves here in this church, the way that we believe the Bible points out ministry is that you don't really have one guy who is, uh, elevated in the church. Now you, you, we have a multiplicity of elders here. There is a senior elder, kind of an out front elder in this church. That is Chase, um, we have other elders who have maybe a, a little bit more of an out front role. Um, you know, one of our elders is the worship pastor. I'm an elder here. I'm a, I'm a, a teaching pastor. I do a lot of teaching on Sunday mornings. But but we don't operate in such a way of that the pastor is elevated up and that the uh, that we don't we don't have titles here. As a matter of fact, if people um, ever call us pastor. Chase or Pastor David, you know, typically we will say, hey, you just call me, call me Chase or call me David. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't make a big deal out of that. And uh, I'm not saying that's foolproof, but what I'm saying is I, I'm kind of like Chase. I don't really know that my kids have an understanding of they know that I teach on Sunday mornings a lot. They know I preach. They know that I have a key to the church. They know that um, if you were to ask them, you know, who are the pastors, I think they would they would name that that daddy's one of them but 
we don't make a big deal out of, quote unquote, the pastor. And I think that keeps the limelight off of the kids because the limelight is not on the pastor. And I think that is something that we've worked for the last six years to kind of breed that environment here. And and I hope that's a, of a help because I think one of the reasons that the pastor's kids in a church are under such a microscope is because the pastor of the church is under such a microscope. And and uh, and so I, I think that the way the Bible points it out is the pastor is to be among the people, not above the people, not elevated in a limelight. Well, yes, we, amen to that. Well, we hinted at the, the mega church issue. Do you think the size of, of Bethlehem Maybe because they're elder led as well, aren't they? Yes, they are elder led, but uh, very obviously John Piper is out front. Sure, and, and whereas here we might have, uh, uh, you know, in the the low hundreds uh, or, or whatever people looking at us as pastors, there you have thousands yeah. plus a, a much broader um, yeah. platform. And, and I think the way that you put that, I think people here look at us, particularly the guys who teach on Sunday, as the pastors and i think mm-hmm. i think you'll see that and they'll come to maybe if they have a question they mm-hmm. may come to ask us or they may come to receive counsel so you have people looking at you or toward you as a pastor but again in larger churches you have more people looking at you in that way sure. and i also think in larger churches you don't have as much of a of a of a platform to be able to change that environment. In other words, if people are, is call, are calling you Pastor David in a church of 12,000, you can't go to every one of them and say, no, you don't have to call me that, call me David. I mean, right. it's harder to build that more informal environment in a larger church because yeah. you don't have that capacity to really um, communicate one-on-one with people the way you do in a smaller Smaller church. Yeah, one of the illustrations Barnabas mentioned was when his, or one of the stories he told was when his dad used him almost as, as a sermon illustration, and that and that has because you want to be. I, I know in the times I've I facilitated men's Bible study here or one of our our small group gospel communities, you want to be transparent, you want to be honest, and you want people to realize you're human too, and that means sometimes you do good things, sometimes you're a moron, and so. Um, you do tell stories about your wife or your kids, um, but it, it did just make me go, all right, maybe when we tell that story, maybe we generalize it, or maybe, you know, it did give me some pause about, oh, yeah. about how to do yeah. some stuff and things maybe, like that. Maybe using your kids every week as a, as an illustration. Hey, Chase, real quick, if you had the opportunity to go out to lunch with Barnabas this week, what what's one question you would ask him? I would ask him if... Um, I honestly, I, I would ask him. I would ask him a couple of questions. One is, what is your dad like behind closed doors? Two, I would ask him, what are as I'm a dad, I have a father of five kids. How can I, uh, how can I raise them in a in a great way under the scrutiny of being in church leadership? Good. Question number two did not make his list, but question number one made his list of seven things to never ask a pastor's kid. What's that? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, look, I'm sure. I'm sure that he gets that question all the time. But I'm telling you, that's the one I'm curious about. Yeah, he he, he posted a blog this week: seven rules for when you meet a pastor's kid, and one of them was, um, "Don't ask us what was it like I, to be I the bet. son or the daughter of." Don't quote our dads to us. Number three: Don't ask us anything personal. You would not ask of anything else. It's pretty good stuff. I was reading the list, going, "Man, 
I would have to print this off and put it in my pocket and make sure that I read it before I went and sat down to lunch. What I, what I, and is as parent as um, transparent as John Piper is, I think the thing I would probably, in light of in light of this, I would love to ask Piper, hey, do you, what advice would you have for ministers um, now, retrospect? And I, and he's talked about doing some things post. Um, Post pastoral ministry to kind of equip and train and things like that. Who, John? Parker? Yeah, oh yeah. But but what would you do different, or how would you counsel guys in our position um, to shepherd your family well while you shepherd your your flock? And I don't think he did that poorly. Don't don't hear me saying that. But I just wonder on the on the side of it, he is what he would counsel somebody. Yeah, different. I, I know we need to move on to the next segment, yeah. but I will say that I you know to me like. Uh, if I'm getting to know somebody, I mean, Chase, you know, your your dad was, uh, you know, an attorney um, or is an attorney. Me and you getting to know each other, I would ask you, well, hey, what's, you know. What'd your dad do? Well, what was it like growing up with, you know, being the son of a, you know, a, a kind of a well-known attorney in the yep. city? You know, or I would, I, I mean, I would ask people those questions. But see, that's and a so, different question than what's your dad like behind closed doors. Because well, that devalues I, yeah, I get that. I, I'm saying that to me is not out of the realm of a question that I would ask yeah. uh, a friend you. of mine, like, you know, somebody that I True. grew up with, somebody that I kind of got to know or maybe didn't grow up with, but just kind of getting to know. And maybe I meet their dad every now and then say, hey, what's your dad really like when, you know, he's not around us? So but I, I'll say this. I um, I actually as, as much of a, a fan I am of John Piper. Uh, I actually really like Barnabas in terms of like his own personal, just what he's doing uh, as a writer. I, yeah, I've enjoyed reading writer. his stuff. I've enjoyed reading his stuff, his blogs for quite some time, and and really, you know, I I would. I would like, you know, if I was in a in a place to have a relationship with Barnabas, it would not be because of his dad was John Piper. It would be just he seems like a pretty cool guy to hang out with if you follow him on Twitter and you read his blog. So, yeah, uh, following him on Twitter is what made me want the book. But yeah, to me, it's not. I mean, I, I you know, people asking those questions, what's your dad like, things like that. Sometimes to me, that's just getting to know you kind of questions. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe his point is that's not the kind of thing you would ask somebody before you had a chance to get to know them, it, which yeah, I can I buy that. Yeah. All right, Chase, over to you, buddy. Uh, dum, dum, Chase? Dum. Chase. Okay, so um, I'm actually checking the link out we posted Oh, I thought chat, you were uh, sleeping in. Which is, uh, okay. Who posted that book? Yeah, we'll talk about that off the show because uh, that's, that's quite a post there. Gentlemen, it is time to play everybody's favorite game, and that is Take It or Leave It. And in this game, I'm going to give you two categories, and you pick the story you want to comment on. But since we're kind of running short on time, I'm going to have to ask us to be quite succinct and to avoid posting suspicious books in chat. All right, everybody ready? Nikolai. Here, yes, Nikolai. Here is your first two categories. Will you pick either A, Facebook, or B, Pastor Superdad? Wait, what was the first one? Facebook or Pastor Superdad? Facebook. 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 Okay. In a recent study on Facebook, researchers found that in general, 
people who use social media are 32% more likely to think about leaving their spouse. In fact, Facebook in particular is a positive, significant predictor of divorce rate and spousal troubles. So, fellas, as Christians, and all three of us Christians who are fairly active on social media, is that compromising our marriage should we get it out of our household? I think it can. I, I can. I on on its surface, I have no reason to try to dispute that statement at, at all. Because, and people talk about it all the time on social media, how you put your best foot forward on social media, and so on Facebook, it's hey, look at this awesome thing I did. Look at this awesome thing my wife did for me, or look at this awesome thing I did for my wife. Da 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 da. And you either look like the most blessed person or the most thoughtful spouse. And all you're doing, and all the people that are maybe looking and watching and reading, and maybe they are dissatisfied or they're just going through a tough time. Maybe. Maybe their husband is working hard, trying to provide 60, 70, 80 hours a week, but you're able to be home and, and that husband's not. And all of a sudden, you've got a spouse going, if only my husband was home, not realizing they're doing exactly what a, a husband, you know. But it's always that thing I don't have that somebody else yeah. does. And, and social media can easily breed that dissatisfaction. Um, well, and too, with that, like you were talking about earlier, people. People on social media are trying to build an image. Absolutely. You, you typically, typically, most people on social media are very careful about the pictures they post oh, of themselves, um, the things they put Selfie. out there, the the about me section. It's it's about image building, mm-hmm. and so you are seeing not necessarily the true someone on Facebook, but you're seeing their their image. That they put out on Facebook, what they which hope to be, what, not, yeah. well, what they hope to be, and and so it could, you know, it, it certainly could lead people to say, "Ooh, hey, yeah. Yeah. you know, I, I would like to know more about this person, or I find this person intriguing." But you you don't even really know that person; you sure. just know their Facebook or their social media image. Um, I, I would say a couple of things. I think it can be dangerous. I don't know what the statistics are or, or exactly what those statistics are pointing at. A couple of things that come to my mind is, number one, it gives you a communication point with people that you may not otherwise have a communication yep. point with. People so, you went to high school with. People you went to high school with, college with, late at night or during the day. Yep, no one's dude. around. You have an opportunity to get into conversations with people, maybe conversations that start off innocently um, at first, but then grow. Um, number two, um, quite honestly, people post pictures and things on Facebook that yeah. can cause you to stumble, that could cause a, a, a person uh, immodest pictures or pictures that uh, could cause some type of um, marital distraction. Yeah. And so, and, and so, and then the third thing is, is it, you can fall in love with someone's social media image. And it, maybe if you're going through a tough time in your marriage anyway, and then you're seeing this person that maybe you went to high school with or college with, and man, it really looks like they got their life together and Hey, you know, they've been working out or something like that. All of a sudden, maybe you start finding that person very intriguing. You um, befriend that one that got away and all of a sudden. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. So I, I think it should we get it out of our house. I think there are ways that you can protect yourself there and limit that. Um, you know, one good rule is don't be up after your spouse is gone to bed talking to people on Facebook or don't be doing that during the day. I mean, be smart about it and. And, uh, you know, if you've got somebody posting immodest pictures, unfriend them. And, and so I, th- I think you maybe there's a way to redeem it. Um, 
And so I wouldn't necessarily say it has to be taken out of your house right away. But, hey, if it's a problem or you've even come close to it being an issue in your marriage, then I would say it's not worth keeping. Just get rid of it. Yeah, your marriage is more important. I, I will throw out this one thing. Uh, one one uh, approach to social media is to – and not everybody's going to like this – is to make sure your spouse has your password to all of your social oh, media just about and that. make sure you have hers – and that y'all are frequently on each other's page and messages and things like that. I don't mean snooping, but understand, you are one with your spouse. Hey, my wife gets up every morning and has a cup of coffee and reads my email. That's what yeah, she does. Yeah, well, my wife Why does she do that, too. David? Because she says my email is more interesting than hers. Well, and also— And that's also how she keeps up with stuff going on, because she says I don't tell her anything. Okay, uh-huh. see, that that happened, the same thing it will occasionally— <laughs> and, I, and I was going to ask, I'm glad you said that, Chase, because I was going to say, how do you guys mediate this in your own home? How do you how do you stay accountable? Because I know— That's how. God bless you both. Um, y'all have can have, especially during sermon prep and things like that, you're a night owl. Oh, yeah. Um, and so— and. You know your your wife homeschools five kids, and so she probably doesn't have this quite the same schedule you have out of sheer necessity. And and I you know I have often wondered how you know, and I I imagine what you said was probably that. But how do you guys mediate that, or you know, uh, moderate that? Uh, we're completely open with our passwords, yeah. our emails, uh, etc. Et and, and I'll say this I, again: might be a little ruffling of feathers. You know, if you're married. You don't have a right to privacy from your spouse, and she doesn't have a right from privacy to you, except in one place. And David, what is that one place? Wait, what? You only have a right to privacy from your spouse in one place, and what is that one sacred place where you have a right to privacy from your spouse? And the answer I imagine is... imagine the place David, I honestly David's wife know. wants to give him bathroom. privacy is the bathroom. <laughs> It's the, the only place, yes. and if you're one of those crazy couples who yes, you're right. uses the bathroom near your spouse, then God another bless discussion you, for another day. But you, so here's what could possibly your go marriage, with that. your marriage is on a if you can, <laughs> if you can go to the bathroom with your spouse in the bathroom, and let's just be honest. I ain't talking about number one. If you can go to the bathroom with your spouse in the bathroom, like some people that we've ran into before, having this discussion as couples. Yep. You're you're on a path of disaster. I, I cannot imagine. That's just all there is I to don't it. want to imagine. No. Okay. We are to category number so two. <laughs> we could talk for a long time about this, but uh, we are fast running out of time. And I, I got David wait. has to so, go to a I birthday celebration. I want to get some Tim Howard tweets. Hold on, ahead. real quick. We're all geeks. So do y'all take electronics with you or not? Because I'm pretty sure both of y'all are there for a while. Mm. No comment. I uh, actually, my first iPad met its demise falling off the bathroom counter. Into the toilet? Uh, no, I just fell off the bathroom counter. Oh, I see. The, but it was in the bathroom for a purpose, and down it went. <laughs> well, what purpose was it in the bathroom for? I was going to run away. Run away. I was going to use it. I was going to read. I was going to read it. Oh, I see. Okay. All right. So uh, this is just a great, wholesome episode of I mean, what were we the talking Gospel about? Friends. And now we're talking about category number two, and we're going to have to be faster here, guys. That's category number to two. To get to our, uh, our, our Tim Howard. <laughs> and usually Howard's it's not faster. Tweets. Uh, name game is your first category choice or falling away. Name game or falling away. You've lost all control. <laughs> I've uh, got to go with name game. Really? I was going to go falling away. Let's do paper, rock, scissors. Ready? One, two, three. Uh, you won. Name game. Name is. game. Okay. So Marcus Mumford. Uh, do you all know who Marcus Mumford is? Uh, I'm guessing it has to do with Mumford and Sons. Yes. Marcus Mumford Win. is the front two man. For, that was a great show. Mumford and Sons. They had that junkyard. The band. 
and uh, quite quite. A, I love their music. Um, there's some swear words quite liberally peppered through there. But uh, Marcus Mumford, normally known as a Christian of sorts, his parents sorts. were of the sorts. Found, and uh, I'm going to tell you why of okay. sorts in just Thank a minute. You. His parents were the founders of the evangelical uh, vineyard movement in the United Are you Kingdom. Serious? I am serious. Oh, to I didn't death. realize that. Uh, lots of spiritual things, even Jesus-type things in his lyrics. But recently, Rolling Stone asked Mumford if he considered himself a Christian. Here is his answer. I don't really like that word. It comes with so much baggage in terms um, – so that comes with so much baggage. So, no, I wouldn't call myself a Christian. I think the word just conjures up all these religious images that I don't really like. I have my personal views about the person of Jesus and who he was. All right? So, lump it. do you like or lump that Marcus Mumford refuses to call himself a Christian? I like I lump it. Hey, we didn't like or lump the first one. No, we, we didn't. We skipped that. I, I, I lump we it. We got into bathroom talk. Redeem... I think the word, you know, if you don't, if you think that it has a bad connotation to it, then work to redeem it. Um, but uh, I, I, I think, um, I think that quickly identifies yourself to someone as I am a Christ follower. I'm a Christian. Um, I, you know, I, I, you know, I don't think to say that I'm, I'm going to steer away from that because has a bad connotation to it. Uh, you know, work to redeem that with your life and, and your ministry. Um, I, I, re- I was going to bring this to a to a later show. Kind of reminds me a little bit about the discussion that's going on now in some evangelical circles about whether or not pastors should say the Bible says, or should the pastor say Paul said, John said, Peter said, mm-hmm. because so many people don't believe in the Bible and don't believe it's an authority. So if you say the Bible says this, so should you actually say the Bible says, or or, or actually talk about the the author of the book or the author, and so. Um, I don't know. I think we sometimes get a little tripped up in words, and uh, I think it's. I think it would be better to uh, to embrace that label uh, of what you are, a Christ follower, a Christian, and uh, and like I said, just work with your own life to show people what it's really supposed to be about. Nikolai, to you. Yeah, this this is something that that comes up. I feel like I hear about it every two or three years. Another believer who won't call themselves a Christian, and I'll and I'll admit I went through a consideration of, do I like that term or do I want to, um, and it was after a bad experience at a church. And, um, you know, I just, I understand his sentiment that there's some baggage that goes along with the word Christian. Um, you know, we were, you know, I was joking about the God's guns, um, politics thing earlier and you you do get lumped into so many things and in the music scene i've i follow a 90s christian music recovery group on facebook and they're um after the um oh is as i lay dying tim lambus yeah um you know after his uh i think we discussed that last week we did okay after his accusation about the christian music scene there's been a lot of discussion about uh, there's a big festival called cornerstone whenever i was i was growing up um, that happened in Bushnell, Illinois. And um, basically, you know, uh, people talked about, you know, how many people, you know, how many girls here hooked up with one of the guys in one of the bands at Cornerstone or how many people partied with one of the bands at Cornerstone and things like that. And so there's a lot of compromise in in music and in media. And so I, I understand his not wanting to be associated with the the lack of clarity about what what it means to really be a Christian and how sometimes you don't get a chance to explain. 
so I, I get it, but I'm more like you guys, I guess, you know, after having kind of gone up and down the road I did, I go back to to the try to redeem it. But there are a lot of people that don't give you the chance. Yeah. yeah. And look, I wouldn't – it's it's a biblical word. That's I understand. My I, Acts 11.26 said they were first called Christians in Antioch. It, and I, I put this in the same bucket that I put people who want to be Christ followers but anti-church. I there's no such thing in the New Testament as Christ followers who are anti-church. So stop trying to do that as a marketing ploy or some hip new thing to do where <laughs> Look, we, it, we hate the church, but we, we love Jesus. Stop, because it's not biblically possible. But it, go, it goes back to the word, the word Christian in America right now can also be construed by especially the people that he's probably talking to, to mean things that he wouldn't want it to mean. And so th- yeah. I guess that's what I'm going by. I'm not trying to say I agree with him. I'm not trying to say I like it. I'm probably on the, bro, I know what you mean, but I got to lump it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I know bands that don't want to be called Christian bands. And it's not because they don't believe and love Jesus, but it's just because they don't they don't want to be, quote, unquote, pigeonholed. And, and, and that's the thing. I don't have a problem with not wanting to be a Christian band, but – I do get worried whenever you where you want to disassociate yourself with the name of Christ, and I and I do ultimately um, fall back with David that um, calling yourself a Christian acknowledges that you're a Christ follower and that it's better to try to redeem it. All right, last one. I would normally cut this, but I think you might want to talk about the topic. Here's your choice: Stetzer time or abortion trophy. Uh, let's go. Uh, look, I'm a big Ed Stetzer. Thank God. goodness. So I don't want to talk about an abortion trophy. Well, we don't have enough time for that, probably. Okay, so let, let's go let me tell you time. the stories we skipped real quick. Abortion trophy had to do with a Planned Parenthood awarding one of its clinics for increasing abortions year to year, which is tragic to me. Okay, we uh, should come back to that. We, uh, should, we, we might. Let's, 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 let's talk about that. Falling We're have to put away. An tag on the show. Falling away had to do with the fact that the number one predictive factor down, as to whether or not a young Christian will retain his or her faith going to college is whether that person has a meaningful relationship with an older Christian. And Pastor oh, Superdad had to do with the fact that Barnabas Piper disagrees with the advice that a pastor needs to pastor his family first. Mm, and I might really? push that one to next week as well because he makes a very interesting point. Ultimately, I think I agree with him. Interesting. But for now, for Stetzer time, here's an article that actually David sent to Stetzer us. This wear a big hat. Uh, for discussion. This is from an, uh, a 2011 Ed Stetzer post. Here is essentially what Mr. Stetzer says. He is the uh, pastor of a church, and he says when we get people who are, quote, issue Christians that come to the church, and it, for instance, he says, he, he offers the oh, example boy. of a person who comes and says, how much do you guys talk about prophecy? Because I just listened to your message, and I didn't hear anything about prophecy, and I want to hear more about that. Stetzer says that when he gets people who are issue Christians, in other words, they're heavy on one issue, he says something to them very quickly like, we are not one of those churches that you would think talks about prophecy enough. This would not be the right church for you, but I do hope your search for a church home goes well. He says, I don't spend a lot of time with issue Christians. Gentlemen, what do you think about quickly dismissing somebody who is an issue Christian? 
Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. All is a key word there. All that I've commanded right. you. But did, but did he say, talk to him first about prophecy? What about What about cessationism? What about Arminianism? No. What about preach, charismaticism or homeschooling the, or political things? Gospel. That's my answer, David. Yeah, I think Ed even mentioned that in the um, in the blog, and yes. I don't even know how I came across. Oh, it was in my Insta paper, and I'd saved it and found it and just read it again. And got to upgrade a pocket, bro. Really? I had talked to you about that. I saw actually a little thing about Pocket this week and didn't know what it was. I'm still on Insta paper. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. But anyhow, I um, yeah, he talked about, hey, I do this not just with a prophecy, but I've done this with issue Christians, issue homeschool, issue Calvinism, yep. issue. And his, his whole point was if you, you know, if you get tied up on this one issue, um, you, you may not be able to get past it. This person is not going to allow you to get past it, and they're going to drain the life out of you. I, I really thought about it. I like it. I like his approach. I think you do have to be careful. I think it was one of our elders, Sam, who said, as long as we're dismissing issue Christians and not Christians with issues, because there are times where maybe you just need to make a oh hey you know make okay. a disciple with make a relationship with someone and work through like some that. of those issues. But having pastored for a while now. Um, uh, you know, I've been on staff here since uh, 2006, I think. You know, you, I, over the years, I can think about just people that come up in my mind who were just kind of issue Christians. For them, everything went back to what this one particular issue yeah. with them, everything did. And it was always what they harped on, always what, you know, somehow they were either encouraged when we were talking about that thing or, or, you know, um, felt. Uh, rejected when we didn't talk about it, and and I think about those people. They were here for a while. They kind of drained, and then they left. And 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 no matter what we tried to invest in, then they couldn't get past that one issue. And so I happen to think that maybe Stetzer um, is on the right track there. If your goal is not to get rid of a problem, I think that's I think pastors who quote unquote just want, don't want to be bothered, don't want to get rid of a problem. I think. That's the wrong motivation. But if your motivation is, I want to focus on the people who are teachable and I want to make disciples, then I think that's the right approach because sometimes you just have to cut ties to be able to focus on those people who are teachable and wanting to learn and wanting to grow. Uh, not saying you'd give up on people, but I think there's just a point of saying, hey, this may not be the place for you. So I actually like I like his approach Yeah, with some nuance that you do have to be careful on that you really need to, like, like Sam said, you really need to be careful that um, you don't write off people too quickly. Yep. Great, great. So now, understand, we're going to talk about Tim everybody's Howard. favorite American hero. Man, I've been really uh, sad to see the United States lose, even though uh, at the end of one of the episodes, I said go Portugal or whoever we were playing. But I really didn't mean that. I was really into the U.S. Sure and soccer, sure uh, just like I don't believe that uh, Auburn is out of the winner's category. I believe Auburn is in the winner's bucket. 
Uh, but Tim Howard. They're who, in a bucket, all right. Tim Howard, 16 saves against Belgium, the most saves recorded by a goalkeeper in World Cup history. Right after that game, his Wikipedia – uh, profile was edited for a short time to include um, that he was at one point the United States Secretary of Defense. Uh, Wikipedia quickly removed that prank. That was awesome. Uh, Tim Howard is a Christian, guys. Um, he um, he actually uh, recently um, had said, speaking about his faith, faith, the most important thing in my life is Jesus Christ. He is more important to me than winning or losing or whether I'm playing or not. Everything else is just a bonus. Interesting enough, Tim Howard grew up in the Mount Zion African Methodist Episcopal Church. Wow. Did you catch that? That's a long denomination name. Yeah, African Methodist Episcopal Church. I think our friend Emmanuel told me that he is familiar with that denomination, but he talked about how um, he says, Howard says, always noticed there were a lot of low-income families present, people that just didn't have much in the world's eye, but everyone was so thankful, appreciative, and praising God for what they did have. That's pretty impactful for anybody, and I was only a teenager. He says, being a professional athlete, living off the highs, lows, wins, and losses, joy and sadness, I just didn't want to live a life on that roller coaster of a Emotions. I was going to win or I was going to lose. That was clear, but I didn't want to rely on results for my happiness or my peace. And so he talks about how Christ fulfills that role for him. Um, and he also grew up with the uh, neuro- neurological condition called Tourette's wow. and has overcome that. So um, I, I know you guys watched the, uh, the uh, uh, World Cup mm-hmm. and are still watching it, I assume. Did y'all get to watch the U.S. and uh, I did. Belgium game? I was it was just heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. a good game. I, it yeah. was a good game. And they seem like good good dudes. The The Belgium guys seem like good dudes. Yeah, they, there are some of the games that have seemed to deteriorate into um, a little bit of a mosh pit, but this one seemed to, I've noticed seemed a, to be a lot of class. I've noticed a lot of the games, like in the finals here, have been going to penalty kicks. Yeah. Does that speak to how good the teams are? Uh, I think it speaks to the even how well they're both playing. I think, look, I don't think anybody expected, speaking honestly, I I think people probably expected Belgium to, at least Belgium probably expected to pull away from that game. But, you know, USA brought a good game to them. Um, But a lot of the games have been going. And I think it just speaks to the fierceness of competition. I'll tell you what, guys, one interesting thing about Tim Howard – well, there is a theory out there, and it seems to be very soundly scientific, that one of the reasons why he is the superior goalie that he is has to do with the fact that he has Tourette's syndrome. Really? Uh, Tourette's syndrome is is a is an issue. Everybody knows it is the swearing disease, but really yeah. only about 10% of people with Tourette's actually do involuntarily swear. Really? But the key issue in Tourette's is that you have a tick that is such a difficult uh, impulse to suppress. It's like having having to sneeze, and, and then trying to suppress that. But for a person with Tourette's syndrome, they spend so much of their day mentally focused on suppressing their tics that apparently their brains are sharpened to respond in ways that a person without Tourette's brain is not. And in a lot of times on mental acuity tests, they are quicker to react at things than somebody without Tourette's, which could well translate to being an incredible goalie. Now, you were just That's adding important. on to what I'd said a moment ago, right? Because you do know I mentioned that he had Tourette's. Yes, I was just adding on okay. to the fact that... You weren't... Yeah, 
asleep and not paying be, attention. No, no, no. Of okay. course not. It could never be can the tell. reason why he's uh, such a good goalie. Such a good goalie, yes. Well, he became a USA football hero after this game, and the Twitter sphere lit up with <laughs> Tim Howard tweets. I want to give you guys a few. Y'all like or lump them. Okay. Uh, oh, boy. A few. Now, by the way, the Belgium team captain, Vincent Company, tweets right after the match, two words, Tim Howard, hashtag respect. So um, he yeah. had the uh, Belgium team's respect. Oh, look. It, and there were sometimes he had no help from his own team. God bless him. All right. So here we go. Number of saves in history. Number one, Jesus. Number two, Tim Howard. Oh. Yeah. No? Yeah. Lump. How about this one? The difference between Tim Howard and Jesus? Jesus had 11 guys he could trust. <laughs> okay, I do think I like that. <laughs> I can't bring myself to like it, but that's funny. That is funny. Ed Stetzer tweeted out, someone send Tim Howard to the Middle East, and let's just save that situation, too. Oh my. Yeah, that's pretty good. I like that. I like that. How about a couple of uh, rather interesting ones? Tim Howard is either the greatest goalie or largest contraceptive diagram I've ever seen. Actually, that would be diaphragm. <laughs> <laughs> that's just, a bit of a slip i just say contraceptive diagram how can you be that okay that's great Next. okay um can we rename a state after tim howard how about one of the dakotas because apparently oh. we don't like those oh hey we have friends in the dakotas all right someone tweeted out and after podcast the, subscribers someone tweeted out after the match Thank you, Dakotans. i hate all of you don't any of you try to sit to me on the play ride home tim howard right now wow apparently nice. to his team Yes. Uh, Nick, you can edit if you need to, right? Uh, no, I lost that ability. I'm, I'm sorry. All right, no, Chase, he's not going to listen to the end. Chase, how about this, this one? Tim Howard has just signed a sponsorship deal with Trojan. Hashtag nothing gets through. <laughs> well, no comment. Uh, one or two. Hey, real quick, I will say this. I've, I've heard <laughs> just because I can't say anything right about along. that. I've heard Tim Howard interviewed multiple times on the Mike and Mike podcast uh, from ESPN, and I got to tell you, he is a great dude. He is so interesting. He's humble. He's engaging. Uh, I, I kind of thought, well, this guy's got to be a Christian. When I was first hearing him months ago, leading up to the World Cup, looked it up. Sure enough, he did claim faith in Christ. But he just seems like such a good dude so yeah. smart and, and and knowledgeable about soccer and really makes it interesting to hear about tim howard is so great at blocking things the republicans are going to make him speaker <laughs> yeah. political you it's funny like, you didn't laugh whatever happens here tim howard will never again pay for a drink in the united states of america that's he better probably not. true and last one i tried to follow tim howard on twitter but he blocked you i got blocked oh nice. cheesy that's womp, a bit womp, cheesy. Womp. Some of those, though, were comedy gold. Yes, did, they were. Which ones did you like in particular, Chase? I like his I don't remember personally. The one about blocking <laughs> or something. I'm sure we'll get in trouble for that from someone. Well, the MPAA <laughs> is descending upon us as we speak, so we better shut things I down. I would just like to say that I don't, the mobile I mean, hall of dog. We can talk about this another time, but you know, Trojan brand products are not sinful inherently. Are they not? Is do you oh, think no, no, no. birth control? We do is not have time moral. for this topic. I actually hey, think, look at the time. I, I think it depends on what kind of birth control it is. There's different kinds of birth control. It works different ways, and I, I happen to personally think there are some 
kinds that you should not use. And some you should. And some that are okay. Well, on next week's you know, there's The been Gospel a court Friend. case recently about uh, controversy. There has oh. indeed. I can't believe Hobby Lobby didn't make the show. Maybe next week. But we are going to go through a rundown of uh, birth control methods <laughs> that David either likes or lumps. That was Kevin That'll talking. Be a new, uh, that was Kevin talking. What just happened? Uh, I don't know. We lost control. All right. Well, thanks for listening well, to this it episode. It might have had something to do with the Gospel Friends. If you want David. to contact us, please <laughs> check with us on the Twitter. I am trying to get us I out of here. I was reading what was on social At media. my Gospel Friends dun, 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 on dun, dun, Twitter. When, since when is it dangerous to read what's on the internet? Group slash oh, Hall of yeah. Dogma. If you want to email us, email us at thegospelfriends at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail, 205-575-97. At Commie three, Chase. <laughs> See you next week, comrades. Oh, boy. Have a good night. On a dark and stormy night Everything was right I was waiting on the hand On my hip and weight, lightning shone like day, but something was.